0: Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor, and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are continuing to look at love through the eyes of Drs. Les and Leslie Parrott. Well, what makes happy couples happy? Dr. Alan Pardusi a prominent UCLA researcher, asked this question. He found that money, success, health, beauty, intelligence, or power have little to do with a couple's subjective well-being. That's a lab speak for happiness. Instead, research reveals that the level of a couple's joy is determined by each partner's ability to adjust to things that are beyond his or her control. Every happy couple has learned to find the right attitude in spite of the conditions they find themselves in. Think with me for a minute about the birth of Jesus and the Christmas story. Can you imagine how the Christmas story might have been written if Mary and Joseph had not had the capacity to adjust to things beyond their control? Well, to begin with, Joseph had to adjust to the fact that Mary, his fiancee, was pregnant. According to Old Testament law, he could have had her stoned or sent her into some large distant city like Rome, Carthage, or Ephesus. Before he could break with her, however, God sent an angel to tell Joseph that Mary was with child by the Holy Spirit and would give birth to a son whose name would be Jesus. So instead of sending Mary away, Joseph married her. While the first year of marriage is always difficult, Mary and Joseph faced a unique set of challenges. Nine months of pregnancy requires enormous adjustments from a couple, regardless of how long they've been married, and this was no run of the mill pregnancy. On top of dealing with the implications of the impending birth, Mary and Joseph were trying to establish their home, run a business, and learn how to live with each other seven days a week. Further, they were forced to close down their business and travel to Bethlehem as the first step of a Roman plan to raise taxes, just what they needed. Early one morning, Mary and Joseph left their honeymoon abode behind them as they went out of the gate of Nazareth en route to Bethlehem. She was riding on the back of a little burrow, no easy ride. Joseph had a short tether wrapped around his arm and anchored securely in his fist to keep the little burrow from dislodging Mary, who was more than eight months pregnant. At night, they did not stop in a rooming house or motel as people might today. They stopped along the road, cooked with makeshift arrangements, slept on the hard ground, and made the best of a difficult situation. Finally, when they arrived within sight of the city of Bethlehem, Mary stopped. She could not go another step. We can imagine her looking at her husband and saying something like this, Joe, I cannot take another step. I am going to sit down here under this olive tree, and I want you to go into the city of Bethlehem and get us a room in the Bethlehem Hilton." I would like one in the front, if possible, so I can watch the crowds go up and down, and I will get room service and wait out the time for the baby to come. Mary was a long way from home, worn out, tired, emotionally drained, and at the end of her rope. Furthermore, she must have wondered what she would do if her labor pains began, and Joseph was not near. After all, her baby was almost due. Her anxiety level must have risen as she waited, watched, and eagerly scanned the highway for the familiar figure of Joseph. The teeming crowds moving along the highway paid her no attention. Finally, Joseph returned, his characteristic smile gone, his shoulders drooping. She listened as he told her his story. Mary, I went to the hotel, but there was no room. In fact, I went up and down the main street to every hotel and motel, but there are no rooms. Finally, I persuaded an old man to let us stay in the barn with his animals. He promised me he would clean out the manure and cover the floor with fresh straw. And most of all, Mary, he said we could be alone and he would not make us share the stall with any other couple. Their hearts heavy, Mary and Joseph made their way to the stable, thankful at least for a shelter from the cold. That night, the Son of God was born. Can you imagine how the Christmas story might have been written if Mary and Joseph had not had the capacity to adjust to things beyond their control? Every couple must learn to develop this capacity if they are to enjoy a happy marriage. Life is filled with too many unexpected turns and unforeseen problems. You may not experience the challenges Mary and Joseph faced, but you will encounter your own unique set of difficulties. Without the capacity to rise above your circumstances, you will never cultivate happiness. You may have more success, beauty, intelligence, health, and wealth than anyone else, but if you do not cultivate contentment in every circumstance, unhappiness is certain. There is another side of marriage, and we need to briefly look at it. What do unhappy couples do wrong? The parents tell us that if we are to cultivate the habit of happiness with our partner, we will need to avoid the poisons of self-pity, blame, and resentment. Too many marriages have unknowingly missed out on happiness because of self-pity. Whether experienced by one partner or two, Self pity can bleed the joy out of a relationship. Even marriages that start out strong can be crippled and permanently damaged if self pity is allowed to develop and run amok. The pain of self pity that we inflict on ourselves often hurts friends and family too. So, why do we continue to punish ourselves and others when the pain is not necessary? Hard times and bitter personal experiences are a part of every couple's life. And self-pity about those difficulties helps no one. In fact, no one can ever be an effective marriage partner with the added burden of self-pity to cope with. Self-pity is really a luxury no happy marriage can afford. Now let's look at blame. Ever since Adam blamed Eve and Eve blamed the serpent, Couples have employed the trick of finding excuses and shifting responsibility. A great deal of unhappiness in marriage can be traced to a mate's habitual tendency to blame his or her spouse. In many unhappy relationships, one of the partners is a scapegoat, the one held responsible for the couple's unhappiness. The other partner sees him or her as the source of their difficulties. In effect, the blaming spouse is saying, you are my problem. But he or she would be hard-pressed to find a marriage counselor who would agree. Professionals know better. They know that marital unhappiness is never caused by only one person. That's why therapists focus not on who is wrong, but on what is wrong. Blaming almost always results in a marital blow-up. Blame can be overcome, but if it is allowed to linger, if couples habitually play the blame game, their happiness quotient is inevitably depleted. The parents tell us that every symptomatic problem in marriage, apathy, irritation, boredom, anger, depression, etc., can be traced to a breakdown in personal responsibility. If you are angry, it is not your husband's fault but your own choice. If you are depressed, it is not because your wife is failing you, but because you have chosen to be depressed. The habit of blaming your spouse is completely contrary to the principle of taking responsibility for your own attitude. Well, now let's move to resentment. No one is exempt from being treated unfairly. We can all justify the anger we feel about how a situation or someone including our spouse, unfairly complicated our existence. But when we hold on to our disappointment, pain, and anger, we only compound our troubles, for that is when resentment does its deadly work. Resentment is like a cancer to relationships, at first small and imperceptible, but over time growing larger and spreading its poison through the entire relationship. When you ruminate about an injustice done to you replaying it over and over again in your mind it will trigger a flood of negative emotions that feed the hurt all the more then comes a succession of confirming incidents to convince you that the object of your resentment is the source of all your unhappiness there may be periods of remission when your mind is occupied with other challenges but sooner or later, you will come back to times of brooding and the cancer of resentment spreads like wildfire. The parrots say that resentment, even if directed to someone other than a spouse, is always detrimental to marriage. A happy marriage cannot survive the cancer of resentment. Like self pity and blame, it eats at the human spirit and kills the capacity for joy. But if these toxins are removed, there is no reason a couple can't live happily ever after. Or can they? Every couple about to be married, whether they admit it or not, harbors dreams of a perfect life together. Many newlyweds say how lucky they felt on their wedding day to have met someone who understood them, who shared their likes and dislikes, and who was so compatible with them. Yet, no matter how ideally suited they are, at some point, every husband and wife realize that theirs is not a perfect match. They become aware that they do not always agree, that they do not think, feel, and behave in exactly the same manner, that merging their two personalities and preferences is much more difficult than they ever expected. Well, our time is gone for today. Next week is the Couples Conference. It's Friday evening, September 15th, and Saturday morning, September 16th. The conference is sponsored by Christian Living Magazine and will be held at Cloverdale Church of God. Go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, to download a brochure and also to register. It's going to be a great time of fun and learning. Have a safe weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. org. You to know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.